deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world is opened up as Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Shriek Cast, or the Shrieking Shack, or the Shriek Shack, or <laughs> the Shrieking Shack. We have so many good names. Uh, pick which one, pick whichever one is your favorite, I think. What's your favorite? Uh, I like Shriek Cast. I think that's what I go with the most. It's pretty, it, yeah, it's it's succinct. It has a good ring to it. It's a good Twitter handle. Um, so yeah, welcome everybody to the Shriekcast. Best and most good. Okay. We're, we're a good <laughs> Harry Potter podcast, folks. Uh, we've got we've got news for you. Uh, we have uh, some some good, good headlines from our friends over at Bustle. I don't know how. You know, I was away for the weekend. Um, I don't know what news there could possibly be, although I know I say that every week. I mean, that's the thing with Harry Potter, right, is is I mean, the books ended like a decade ago. The, the movies are all done. You'd think you'd think we we would be like out of like weekly Harry Potter news, but but we're not. It, it never ends. Bustle's first headline for us is actually a pretty interesting and, and I would say genuinely cool piece of news. But boy, this headline is I love it. Lay it on me. The Harry Potter movies are headed back to theaters and this is not a drill. What? <laughs> what? It's not a drill. Like not like the main ones, not just Fantastic Beasts. No, they are they are bringing them. I, I guess so. I, so I guess it's like a theater chain that's bringing this back. Would you like to know what the event is called? Please, yes. It is called Harry Potter XD. You're kidding. No, it is called... You are, you are kidding no. me. I do, I do not believe you. It's called Harry Potter XD. <laughs> oh my god, fact, why? According to the, the website, the movie marathon shindig will go by the, the umbrella name of Wizarding World XD Week. <laughs> I know I said that the, the my favorite name for our podcast is Shriekcast, but now I'm just sad that we're not we're not a Harry Potter XD. <laughs> Wizarding World XD. I'm so excited for this. I need to like like there's a serious part of me that that is like genuinely excited for this. And if we can go see like Prisoner of Azkaban while it's in theaters, if that if that lines up with our reading schedule, that would be pretty fucking awesome. On the other hand, why did they call it? Why do they call it that? Why do they call it, it Harry Potter XD? Is it sponsored specifically by like Disney XD? No, that's the part that because it's WB. I couldn't think of anything else. Yeah, it's it's I I don't know. I have no idea why it's. I guess okay. The webs or the yeah the website for the cinema chain says it's mm -hmm. Cinemark XD. Why that doesn't answer my question really. Um, this is good. Uh, the Wizarding World holds a special place in everyone's hearts, says Cinemark True. CEO. And it, it's true. And so does the Emoticon XD. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the same kind of place in my heart, I think. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Bustle. This is not a drill. Uh, this is real life. Uh, we are getting a Harry Potter movie marathon called Harry Potter XD. So thank you very much. Um and if we're going to this, if we if we manage to swing this, uh, we're gonna want to go in style, right? Um, in our so Hurtwood we'll, House gear. Well, yeah, that would be ideal. But if we don't have time to get some Hurtwood House gear together, uh, we could refer to this bustle article about ten Harry Potter accessories to help you channel your inner Hermione Granger this year. Oh, 
What, uh, hmm, what kind of accessories? Maybe a so, wand, uh, a time turner. Uh, how about a velvet purse? Oh, everyone remembers Hermione's velvet purse. Yeah. Um, and so a velvet purse. How about a fancy pen and a golden notebook? Yeah, well, she has to have a place, you know, to, to carry her, her golden notebook, and that's in her, her velvet purse. Uh, we're in Prisoner of Azkaban, so she's always always running around with her velvet purse, with her notebook, to all of those classes that she's attending. And how about, this is my favorite one, how about a sweater that just says, strong female lead? <sighs> yep. <laughs> yep. That's that's really something. I'll have to go pick those up to wear them to the the, the Harry Potter XD showing of. Uh, can we get one? Can I can I get one that says "Strong Female Lead XD"? <laughs> I think you might have to go uh, to every uh, every showing, and that's how you unlock that one. <laughs> that's that's the the mythic version. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to work towards that because I definitely want that sweater. Um, So thank you, Bustle. Thank you for that. Um, uh, Unfortunately, our last one is a little more serious. Uh, um, Oh, uh, unfortunately, Bustle wasn't happy about this one. Uh Oh, Pottermore made a joke about defense against the dark arts teachers and the Harry Potter fandom was not happy. Uh Oh, Uh, not is in all caps there. They were not not happy. Well, Uh, to be fair, this was this is a stunningly stupid tweet. I don't know. I don't know who. I don't know why they're doing. They're doing this like before, um, the Johnny Depp movie comes out. Though you know, and their 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 tweet here is defense against the dark arts teachers ranked one. It two doesn't three matter. Four, there, five, all, six, problematic, seven, umbrage. Oh, so it's that it's that meme format. They're up on that meme format. They're up on the meme format. Um, I just don't know if Pottermore really has the uh this seems like a glass house situation, right? I don't know if I don't know if you like their header image is Johnny Depp right now. I don't know if they really have the 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 weight to be throwing around po- problematic as a criticism. Also, it's, hey, Professor Lupin, he's a great guy. Yeah, Lupin is not problematic um, that I know of so far in our reading. Uh, and I, I'm no I'm no fan of Umbridge, but I feel like um, uh, Caro was pretty bad. The, the actual wizard Nazi that was a Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. I forgot um, that happened. And yeah. Quarrel was pretty bad because Quirrell he had did... literal Hitler on the back of his head. <laughs> he uh, that's not so great. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's a it's a jokey joke. I don't I don't. I, yeah, I probably wouldn't be throwing around problematic if I uh, were were Pottermore right now. I think the thing that gets to me the most about this tweet is that Pottermore actually has a feature where they rank the defense against the dark arts teacher, like, you know, worse, like best to worst. Uh They do have Lupin as, as the, as the best, but their worst on the feature is Quirrell. Oh, (laughs) Uh, so 
So no, notes a, are not being shared at Pottermore. No, I guess not. I mean, I guess they've gone through some staffing changes, so so I'm not really sure uh, about that. Um, and I guess, and I think Lockhart was number two. Like he was bad, but he was probably the second best. I I would say that he was the best. I mean, agree. Doesn't get, doesn't get much better than 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 Lockhart. I think. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Um, I guess if you are looking for more Pottermore news, I do I do have some additional uh, good stuff coming out of Pottermore. I do. I just want to. I just want to before we we leave before we hustle away from bustle. I'd like to. <laughs> I'm Thank sorry. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to uh, to just read this this sentence from here. Uh, Please. If we're being honest, Severus Snape was a bitter incel who took his anger at James Potter out on an innocent little boy. I don't think we know if Snape was an incel or not. No, that's. There, yeah. I don't think I have a whole lot of evidence. I I could go go as far to say he was a quote unquote nice guy. I I agree with that. Um, yeah. In cell, we have no no evidence for or against that. No, no. Well, I mean, look, he, him, him, and 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 Lockhart are boyfriends. That's my take. I agree. Yeah. Um, so, uh, thank you for that uh, commentary on the on the the Twitter, Twitter <laughs> post. I, you know, people have strong feelings about Severus Snape. Um, Today, moving away from that, so I don't talk for an hour about Snape right now. Uh-huh, now uh-huh. is not the time. Um, no. Today is, as as of recording this, International Cat Day. I love cats. I love cats. So happy International Cat Day. Um, there are cats in Harry Potter. Can can you name some for me? Uh, we've got Crookshanks. We've yep. got Mrs. Norris. Uh-huh. Um, that's about all I can think of. I would agree with that. So, I, again, I wish that Pottermore would date their damn articles so that I could find out when this when this was actually posted, but they don't. Um, but Pottermore did tweet out the their feature, which is which is the best cat in the Harry Potter stories, um, and this was for International Cat Day. And I was like, and so I clicked on that, wondering like I can only think of really two cats. So are you ready for their their list? Um, yes, lay it on is, me. So the the worst one is going to be first. The, the worst cat is <laughs> Millicent Bolstrode's cat. What? Oh, I guess she didn't have cat hair on her. Yeah. Yeah. Do we ever see the cat? Well, no. We see what the cat might have looked like. This um uh, article is kind of making the making the assumption that it is a yellow eyed black furred kitty because. That's what oh, Hermione looks like. Um, mm, okay, so her cat looks like a giant fursuit head. Yeah, due to the unfortunate circumstances, Millicent's cat gets bottom ranking, which is too bad. Um, the next worst cat, or I guess the next best, um, is... <laughs> just gonna, top 10 lists from now on are just least least bad. Least bad. Um <laughs> Uh, so the next one is Dolores Umbridge's Technicolor Kittens. And I didn't know what that meant. Uh, and then I realized it's those decorative plates she has in the background That's, that have those cats on cats. them. That's those the are... thing. So so we, we're two we're two for on this list of cats that we don't ever see. Um <laughs> 
I think that Umbridge's cat plates are are less of a cat than Millicent Bolstrode's cat. Um, <laughs> but but there it is on the list. And then this is like like <laughs> like 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 in the same way that I don't know like a LaCroix has a hint of a fruit flavor. These are, these are like mentions of a cat, ghosts of a cat somewhere else. <laughs> Traces and, of cat. And and here we go. We get to the third, you know, we're, we're, we're coming into third place. Our first actual cat being Mrs. Norris. That seems like a low rank. I mean, I guess I don't know how many are on here, but, 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 but come on yeah i mean there are there are five they could think of five cats two so far we're not I, cats I, are not not really cats on the list the first one is cat hair and the second one is a cat plate so uh mrs norris you know comes in third the only cat so far and then the next one coming in second as the second best cat in in harry potter is mcgonagall she's not professor mcgonagall is not a cat She's not a cat. She can turn into one. She can take on a cat form. Um, that is not, she is not a cat. No. Uh, so the text of this is, uh, the only reason that uh, she's not at the top of the list is that she wasn't a real cat. Wh- what? See? The only, I, I, that's the only reason? <laughs> <laughs> and then our number one is Crookshanks, which agree. Yeah. Um, I love Crookshanks. Don't get me wrong. And then it immediately says Crookshanks, King of Cats, which I like. Also, technically, Crookshanks is also not a cat. Okay, but then it says probably part Kniesel, but that's still a cat, technically. I feel like this I feel like this article went off the rails like halfway through, and they should have just ranked these things on how um, much like a cat they are. Because <laughs> then Mrs. Norris would be number one most cat. Hundred percent cat 100 uh, this is the only cat in harry potter this is the truest <laughs> this is the truest cat um and and then it probably would have been two probably would have been crookshanks um three probably would have been millicent bolstrode's cat who is a cat but we don't real, see it real cat off screen yeah and then it probably would have been um i guess the plates and then mcgonagall because she's not a damn cat <laughs> She can take on a cat's physical form. She is a human being, not a cat. Okay. Well, I'm glad we could clear that up for um, International Cat Day. Or um, we uh, also let's be real. <laughs> we 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 don't know that Mrs. Norris is not a human who can turn into a cat. It's never That's said true. She could have fought in the Battle of Hogwarts, and we just don't know. I feel like her her being on that list is kind of maybe evidence leaning toward her being not a cat because none of the <laughs> other things on the list are cats. Yeah, there's more not cats than cats. Yeah, so I'm I'm feeling like we're probably leaning in the direction of um, Mrs. Norris uh, did fight in the Battle of Hogwarts. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You can't prove that she didn't. Now I have one more thing from our Pottermore roundup, and I'm going to be uh, kind of circling back. Uh, a little bit of ring theory here back to uh, back to being a little bit problematic mm. uh, because obviously Pottermore is in, uh, you know, they are in high gear putting out their Fantastic Beasts promo content. And 
I think it might have been last week or the week before where they they started this series about the actors in Harry Potter. And, and the one uh, from a couple weeks ago was about all the kids that were in the original Harry Potter movies. And then, of course, for part two, it's like, here's all the actors that we cast in Fantastic Beasts and why they're great. Um, of course, you scroll down uh, and the last on this list of the Fantastic, or no, it's not the last on the wit list, uh, but but kind of like halfway down, it's, it's good old Johnny Depp. It's him. There he is. Um, Here he is. And, and this text is really funny because i i'm always asking this i'm like why cast him i i don't really get it um and i think the part of this that i really liked is let me find it because it there there are a couple things Johnny Depp's fascination with the fantastical made him a good match for the wizarding world. And when it was revealed at the end of the first Fantastic Beasts film that his icy haired interpretation of Gellert Grindelwald had been <laughs> hidden away all along behind Colin Farrell, the shock ending had audiences stunned. <laughs> I mean, technically, I was stunned, you know, I, like I wouldn't say that in like a positive way, but I was definitely stunned that they thought that instead of Colin Farrell, it's Johnny Depp was a good twist. It's not that a is... twist. It means nothing. Yeah, it means nothing. Unless, like, imagine, imagine you're watching Fantastic Beasts as someone who is, like, not someone who follows actors, really, right? Sure, like, yeah. Like, which I imagine, like, like I, I like film. I, I, I'm into movies, I would say. I, but, like, I can... I can almost guarantee that, like, the majority of people who, like, just, like, go and see the new Harry Potter movie, and I'm not, I'm not, like, but, like, this isn't meant to be, like, condescending. This is just, like, you know, how, you know, how hobbies work. I would imagine that not everyone going to these movies are, like, big movie buff fans, right? Who are going to care when specific actors show up, like... If you're just someone who like sees a couple movies a year, that ending probably meant even less to you than it does to us who like know who Johnny Depp is, you know? Yeah, it, it's such it's such a bizarre moment, especially because it's it's a it's a twofer because Grindelwald doesn't matter at all in the story. Um, other than he like it is a different name of a bad person doing bad things and it's a twofer of it being revealed as Grindelwald which means nothing and then it's also revealed that it's Johnny Depp which means nothing to us right like it's incredible yeah like imagine if you're I mean like Harry Potter is for kids right imagine if you're a kid who like explicitly like I don't know there are kids who were born like after Pirates of the Caribbean came out who have probably never seen Johnny Depp in their damn life, you know, like, yeah, I'd like to never see Johnny Depp in my, <laughs> the rest of my damn life. <laughs> but, but, but like, that would have meant fucking, I guess like, uh, like, I guess he looks different. I guess instead of looking like cool Colin Farrell, he like, it's a different like, guy under there. <laughs> his hair is a different color. Woo. You know, his, his blonde, his weird blonde hair now. Um, so the rest of this, uh, little blurb about Johnny Depp just kind of goes over his, uh, 
other roles like Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, which I only read that out loud because I forgot that the the movie had like a subheader (laughs) in the title and it made me laugh. Um, But at the end, it references the Comic-Con reveal and and it says, earlier this month, Depp surprised audiences once again by turning up at Comic-Con 2018 in Hall H with an impromptu, almost Shakespearean soliloquy as Grindelwald. After many reinventions, who knows what Depp's interpretation of Grindelwald will entail, dot, dot, dot. I don't know what that means. <laughs> After what? many reinventions, like for Grindelwald. Wait, like... who's being reinvented? Is it Johnny? I don't understand. I don't understand. I I assume because it's a conclusion after talking about all of his roles where he plays the same character, and then it concludes with like, wonder how he'll play this character. Yeah, yeah, like probably. Like, <laughs> oh, like, I fucking prob- wonder. <laughs> yeah, probably like I don't know, like Sweeney Todd, but like talks about magic instead of haircutting, like. i'm laughing at a a movie version of sweeney todd where it's just johnny depp talking about (laughs) haircutting oh i love it oh uh crew cuts uh buzz cuts gotta love them (laughs) i'm from fleet street yeah that's that's what sweeney todd is about i'm pretty sure i fell asleep (laughs) during that movie so maybe i'm i could just that could be true like basically, like like I I am not above saying that I think that part the first parts of the Caribbean fucking rocks, right? Um, yeah. Uh, it's just that since then he has played that like that has been him for ever since then, and I don't think that, especially now in an era where he needs his lines fed to him through an earpiece and like, like has no money because he bought a cannon to fire his friend's ashes out of you know i don't know if he's gonna reinvent his acting style again nor do i particularly care yeah um so i guess that's my my pottermore news um it's it's depressing that that our our podcast i guess specifically your podcast prediction that they are just going to completely ignore the johnny depp stuff uh in their marketing like just just not even pretend to to address it it like it's a bummer that we were right and that's hey hey jk rowling wrote a blog post what more do we want sure did so yeah so yeah that's been i guess like the one way that they've like kind of hit it is have you noticed that they like specifically designed the movie poster with like a million characters on it and they're all so small you could not possibly tell that johnny depp was on it unless you like really squinted at it yeah yeah that's true uh it's just it's sad to to read about their casting and then they just are like hey we got the guy from sweeney todd Woo! great that's what he's known for (laughs) it also mentions pirates of the caribbean but i don't know if he uh, maybe he's gonna reinvent himself into a sober person but i don't I, I, don't, I don't know exactly what they mean. I also don't know if I would describe his his little speech at Comic-Con as Shakespearean. Well, specifically, they say almost Shakespearean. And there's a part of me that's wondering <laughs> if whoever like to be clear, I'm sure whoever wrote this with this this mandate came from on high, right? Like, oh, yeah, like you've got to write you've got to write about the actors for minimum wage like that's 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 what's happening here so i'm almost wondering if the almost shakespearean thing is like kind of a, 
sneaky backhanded like i don't know like like kind of a backhanded compliment there <laughs> like almost shakespearean is is certainly a way to describe an actor you were almost yeah. really good it was almost great thanks it was, johnny <laughs> it was this close to being something <laughs> that's good <laughs> Well, I think that's it for for my news, unless you have anything else. Otherwise, we can go right into our our chapters this week. Let's talk about something good. I want to talk about good stuff. Yes, please take take me out of this this hell, and I will I will bring us into uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, which I am still thoroughly enjoying. Hell yes! Looks like this week we start with chapter eleven, and it is called the Firebolt. We kind of jump right in where we left off. Harry is walking back to the common room. Can't believe what he's heard. Last week we heard about how Sirius betrayed his parents and that's why they died. Um, He goes into his his dorm and pulls out that photo album that Hagrid gave him. And he looks at his parents' wedding photos and sees Sirius Black in the photos because he was the best man at the wedding. The next day, Hermione and Ron corner Harry in the dorm with kind of a rehearsed sort of, you know, Harry, don't go after Sirius Black, even though he killed your parents. Harry gets mad and uh, pretty rightfully so and is, you know, you don't understand and I don't know why no one told me. Ron tries to change the subject uh, to take to visit Hagrid and Harry of course is like oh why didn't Hagrid tell me let's go confront him also during that argument we got a lo- we got another clue because Ron is trying to impress upon Harry how important it is that Harry not go after Sirius he said like do you know what they got what P- Peter Pettigrew's family got back uh it was just his finger in a box because there was nothing else left they start Harry storms off to Hagrid's hut, Ron and Hermione follow. But before Harry can can confront him, he sees that Hagrid is is sobbing and is inconsolable because he got a letter from the the uh, Ministry of Magic saying that Buckpeak has to go to trial and might be executed as a dangerous animal. So instead, Harry just kind of comforts him. And they tell Hagrid that they're going to help him try to win win his case, and then they leave, and, and Harry's feeling a little less mad because he saw how upset Hagrid was. They go back to the castle, and they have a little a little study session where they try to find some establishing legal precedent to, to help Hagrid win the case for Buckbeak. Later, it's Christmas, and Harry gets a sweater from the Weasleys. He also gets a firebolt with no no card or note. Ron and Harry are really excited, but Hermione comes into the dorm. She's also carrying Crookshanks, who has some tinsel around his neck, which is very cute. And she sees the firebolt, asks where it comes from, and is upset and says that, you know, you shouldn't, no one, no one should be riding that. You don't know where it came from. Before Harry and Ron could kind of like argue with her, or before she could make her case about that, Crookshanks leaps out of her arms and attacks Ron, I guess, because I think Scabbers is in in his like shirt pocket. There's kind of a, a chaos scene. Ron's yelling. He kicks Harry's trunk and Harry's sneakoscope falls out of some socks that he had it in and it's going crazy. Harry also, at this point, once Hermione leaves with Crookshanks, gets another good look at Scabbers and says that he looks pretty sick. And Harry thinks to himself that he thinks Scabbers is going to die soon unless he has some secret magical powers to keep him alive. We go to Christmas dinner and Trelawney shows up. This is where we get the uh, line from Trelawney about how 13 people dining together is unlucky and the first person to stand up will die. Harry and Ron 
are the first ones to leave the dinner uh and and mcgonagall kind of makes fun of trelawney and is like they're they're not gonna die unless there's a mad axe murderer outside later mcgonagall finds harry and ron in the common room and says that she wants to see the firebolt and she takes it away because hermione has gone to mcgonagall and said that you know harry got a firebolt and there's no note with it at the end of the chapter, like right before the end, Harry and Ron are like, what'd you do that for? Are mad at her? And she says, I think, and her and McGonagall agrees with me that the firebolt was sent by Sirius Black. And that is the end of the chapter. There's so much going well, For one, good job condensing all that into one thing, because there's so much stuff <laughs> happening in this chapter. Yeah, I was making my making my outline uh, a couple nights ago, and it just feels so long. I'm like trying to trying to remember all the important details, but just the way these chapters are written, um, there's so much like very good dialogue. Nothing is. I guess I I feel like when I was writing these, when we were doing Chamber of Secrets, there would be just like a spotlight on a clue because it would be revealed in a <laughs> paragraph of dialogue where one character would kind of waltz in and say something. So when I would write these, it was like that's pretty easy. I would have just like a few points here and there, but this it's all just interwoven in these like these scenes that are fun for their own sake outside of just the plot. I guess starting from the top, the, the Harry or Harry being confronted by Hermione and Ron after their like Hogsmeade excursion is really, really good. And it's, it's, it's so cool. I mentioned this before in, in like the previous chapter, there was a line about how, you know, Hermione and Ron had kind of set aside their feud because they were worried about Harry. And like that Mm -hmm. is happening again here even more seriously. Um, and it's really interesting to see that, that dynamic uh, and like how the dynamics shift over these chapters too, based on, you know, like there's a lot going on here for these characters that feels very believable and natural. And like, this could so easily feel contrived or worse. Like it could feel like everyone's behaving out of character, you know, to serve the plot or whatever. But this is like, like, everything is so fragile right now like people are are i don't know it's good like these are these are some good some good teen character writing going on here yeah i i love the part that each of them plays in this scene i i i think back to some other you know parts in these books where it has been important that harry ron and hermione have a conversation to tell us something basically and it, and it stretched my believability like a little bit when it's like oh ron is monologuing about about you know purebloods and what all that means and it felt very like um you could tell when characters were being a mouthpiece for exposition or and that kind of thing right yeah and and i guess i compare that now and and some of those scenes weren't even bad like i i think that like the like when ron was telling about the pure blood thing and he was barfing up slugs that kind of lampshaded it in a way that worked for me fine Mm -hmm. but this scene just felt so emotional and i believed the characters a lot this i guess the big clue like the biggest plot related clue and i made sure to like bring it up when i was talking uh through it is that ron gets frustrated that harry's not listening and he says no you don't understand like you need to listen to me when peter pettigrew was killed 
you know, all they could find was his finger and that's like mm-hmm. super fucked up and he's going to fuck you up and only a fucking hit wizard could go after him, Harry, you <laughs> fucking idiot. And th- and it felt it felt very real to me. Like like Hermione is crying and trying not to say something wrong, I guess, like trying not to upset Harry more, but Ron is like being very real with him and um and it doesn't and and the the finger like reveal or clue just doesn't it doesn't feel like it's it's being put there for me to be like ah i see i'm gonna come back to this later right well i I mean i mean i I just think the the eternal example is going to be the uh oh harry i see you notice my phoenix that can carry really heavy things (laughs) like like that just that that is the the er example of like how jk used to at least you know maybe maybe she'll go back to it but but you know used to write clues in these books um mm-hmm. and here the imagery of of that is is so much more powerful than anything else that it, it really does a good job of covering up the fact that it's a really obvious clue that you need to remember um because it's 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 wrapped into something else and like that's, that's what this book has improved on both chamber of secrets and philosopher's stone is like the the mystery is no longer just like this perfunctory like checklist that that we get like to move the plot forward it is like completely wrapped up and tied into like the characters and their emotions and like just so much more going on at once it's it's really well done yeah i i think this might be i've said this a little bit before which is kind of my perspective reading these books again as an adult versus as a kid and i i think that uh, this book might be the most adept at making every like vector of the story very interesting. I like in enjoying it now. I'm much more invested in the character melodrama and the kind of like little things that are going on um, rather than the mystery of like where is Sirius Black, which is what mm-hmm. I think that like that's kind of the mode that you're on when you're a kid reading this sort of thing. And like the, the kind of suspense angle, whereas like I, this, which I think is why the chamber of secrets didn't work for me because as I, I remember liking it as a kid, because it was like, where's the chamber of secrets, but nothing uh-huh. else was really going on in that one. Um, and this just has, has a lot a lot the, more interest i guess like serious black is still like the biggest carrot on a stick here but there's so much else between those things i guess like mm-hmm. there's so many detours you can take like like Herm- there's the hermione time travel stuff there's uh there's the lupin and Sirius and james relationship there's scabbers there's you know now we have who sent the firebolt like there's just so so much stuff happening um but yeah the, this there and there's also this this haggard scene which is really fucking good too uh i felt genuinely there's there's a real sinking feeling i got that that, that this this book nails and when the conversation turns to no yeah let's go talk to haggard like like ron and hermione know that they have fucked this conversation up like this is completely backfired uh like like that is so relatable and and like kind of heartbreaking like they're trying their best to help and they've just completely blown this 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 opportunity Um, yeah yeah and then like 
basically by the skin of their teeth they you know they they everything is diffused because they're all worried about haggard and like that's that's a really cute thing too because like this chapter starts with you know hermione and ron are setting aside their feud to like talk to harry about something serious and then all three of them are kind of setting everything else going on aside to comfort hagrid immediately afterwards there's just it's it's such a like natural progression and and it and it 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 really speaks well like to the character development of of these people yeah i i think that the i mean i've been talking about the scene for a while now but the, but when when ron and hermione confront harry it it's I, I love it because it, you know, there's the line where it says like Harry could tell that they rehearsed it ahead of time, mm-hmm. and and there's this 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 feeling where it does feel like Ron and Hermione are like trying to be very parental about what's going on, and we get you know Hermione is like kind of saying things that I imagine that like her parents would say mm-hmm. to her in that situation, his her like. Oh, she has like a line where she says like like Harry's you know Harry's parents wouldn't want him to to put right. himself at risk and it and it's like every little thing that each character says is so characterful and also you just get the feeling that all of them are so out of their depth here totally and and then like yeah so like Hermione is probably treading on ground she shouldn't too right like yeah absolutely like like this is more like like you know you feel for her and and you know obviously she would you know say whatever she thought would help you know save her friend but like much like she has done a lot in this book she is kind of making everything worse like like invoking what harry's dead parents would want to him (laughs) when he's in this state is probably not helpful yeah yeah she she continues to be very sympathetic and also just kind of doing the wrong thing at every mm-hmm. turn um and ron's I, brusqueness too is is yeah. like, again like similarly like like they're kind of doing like a good cop bad cop thing but really badly <laughs> between them <laughs> yeah which which works so much for me because they're all 13 like yeah. this is so this like, is like there there is a there is a like thin veneer like like this is a very serious conversation it's very emotional and it's very uh um dramatic but there is a little bit of comedy to this too right because they are all of them are so like the inherent conversation they're having is about like a 13 year old going on a revenge mission against (laughs) like as for who someone they think is like a convicted mass murderer like like there is a little bit of humor in in here like just 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 barely like they're they're having a very serious conversation as as 13 year olds talking like i don't know like they're the three musketeers or something it's very funny yeah i and i again think that this book benefits so much from i I mean obviously the the core conflict the serious black conflict is is very serious he is a he is a mass murderer but the like kind of reduced stakes of just like a regular guy coming after harry Mm -hmm. but then everything also feels more serious than in in previous books which are so like the core conflict is so fantastic and like 
there's a monster in the basement, but is like also treated less seriously at the same time. And, uh-huh. and the the balance of of the, of the stakes and how the characters react to them, it's just I just think it it nails it in such a perfect way. It's great. It's yeah. There, there's there's so much good good stuff to to pick apart here. Um, and and I, like the Hagrid scene has some. Like that, that sense of humor kind of continues, even though it is very sad. There's, there's, there's a line that I love, where Hagrid's talking about how, uh, well, everyone hates his classes, and and it says, "No, we don't." Hermione lied immediately, which is <laughs> I, I laughed out loud at the flubberworms being dead because they had oh, too much lettuce. It's it, Ron saying, "Oh no!" Like, like <laughs> oh no! And it's, I think it says something about like his lip twitched or something. Like he's trying not to laugh about the flubberworms. <laughs> it's there. There is a lot of a lot of good humor. I think the Christmas scene is also pretty funny. Um, Snape does a, a Christmas cracker. I like in the, in the Hagrid scene too, the, the, the imagery of this giant hippogriff sitting in the corner, like chewing on raw meat, being positively cute <laughs> is a really oh, great yeah. descriptor. I forgot about that. Um, th- yeah. The kids are pretty sympathetic about, about Buckbeak for his own sake, apart from Hagrid too, like a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, mm-hmm. He might be one of the top cats in Harry Potter. He is as much of a cat as Professor McGonagall, as I would say. <laughs> in fact, quite literally, because, yeah, he's a hippogriff. He's, he's got cat, big cat legs, right? Like, I thought he's horse, he's horse and eagle. Horse, bur, horse, oh yeah. Horse, I get, hippogriffs and chimeras and all that. Griffins and, yeah, Griffins, so yeah. Just the old mix of a bunch of stuff there. Um, yeah. So yeah, the which what I'm 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 racking my brains here. Which comes first, the dinner or the firebolt scene? Uh, well, Harry gets the firebolt on Christmas morning. Okay, that's and right. And then yes. they go have dinner, and then when they come back from dinner, McGonagall is there looking that's for right. them to confiscate it. Um, again, like like we we're coming off of a kind of truce between Ron and Hermione because they were worried about Harry and then they were helping with the hippogriff issue. But we jump right back in on Christmas morning to to Ron and Hermione and it is they they are fighting again. Um Hermione brings her cat into the dorm. And I love the I love the image of Crookshanks with the tinsel. Yes, that's um, very good. And Crookshanks attacks attacks Scabbers. This scene so so first of all the the firebolt itself right is it a car that's what i ask every time every time broomsticks come up i ask if it's like getting a car yeah well so here's there is a little clue here that i highlighted because because there's something here there's something here that that throws all of our firebolt uh discussion into into disarray Uh ron says that it cost hundreds of galleons so like harry so it's, like getting, so it's like getting a damn xbox is what it's like y- yeah like harry could easily have bought one himself at the beginning then i think because i i i mean I, we don't have a numerical figure but but harry does say that he has piles of gold right and maybe he doesn't have a good idea like maybe he as a child is not very good at like yeah it I guess figuring that out, like because I think that like there's the line where he looks at the firebolt and he's like, 
I have to support myself through seven years at school. And maybe as a dumb kid, I mean, I guess I wouldn't have a good admin if I had to support myself and had to physically look at a pile of money and be like, could this support me for seven uh-huh. years? I wouldn't be able to do that. Well, it's almost the other direction, though, right? Because it's almost like Harry is way too responsible for a 13 year old. Like, like, yeah, if he ha- if he has if he knows he has a pile of gold, I, I would just because remember, like the first thing he ever wanted to buy with his gold was get the solid gold cauldron or whatever. <laughs> so. Well, that's that's what they call character development. <laughs> he is um he is off screen um uh taken a class about budgeting, I guess. Yeah, and, and, he uh, understands that he has he has quicken now. <laughs> oh no. He has turbo tax for his for, on a scroll. But yeah, so like like he's he's very excited about this this broom. This is such a chaotic scene because we we go from him like getting the broom. It has no note. He's very excited. And then Hermione comes in with Crookshanks and 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 Crookshanks attacks Ron's pocket. Like th- this is a, a a wild scene where where a bunch of like important like I don't want to say MacGuffins because they're not, but like important like objects to remember like all collide at once like, mm-hmm. like we have we have scabbers we have the sneakoscope we have the firebolt we have like crookshank like there's just so much colliding at once in a very quick scene it's it's mwah. i i do the chef kiss motion to this because because it, it it's another scene that that finds another way just like the the previous scene where you know you know, we heard about the, the Pettigrew's finger thing, which is very important to remember, but we, that's lampshaded by just like the, the raw motion of like the rest of that scene here. It's like, you're just kind of being pelted with little things that you're supposed to be remembering uh, in kind of rapid fire. And it's just like a really cool way. Like in the same chapter, we were getting completely different uh, methods of like implanting these, these, these clues. Yeah. Um, and it's, it it feels like I feel much more connected with Harry um, in this book than I have previously, maybe because he has feelings or thoughts. Um, <laughs> but but like you, you are kind of in a good way, like a wash in the stuff that's happening with Harry. Right. Like because he's he's kind of he's trapped in the middle of this this Ron and Hermione conflict and he's noticing things. He thinks Scabbers is, <clears throat> excuse me, looks like Scabbers is going to die soon and, and thinks like Ron's going to be pretty upset about that, even though he's always, you know, saying that he doesn't like Scabbers. And um, I think later, maybe not in this chapter, but he worries about Hermione uh, looking run, run down. Um, so I, I just am enjoying Harry and the experience of like like having the kind of like emotional reactions that he is also having like when we're in this like chaotic scene and it really feels like oh there is a good reason he's the point of view character in this book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely uh i like the detail like i get like i think the actual implication is like the sneakoscope has just been going off forever because of scabbers but they don't mm-hmm. know that so he's just crammed yeah. it away in his suitcase but i do really like this sort of like glib way that harry is talking about like ron's birthday present to him uh i like, put oh, him in I those st- old stinky socks from my <laughs> uncle <laughs> yeah, i hate that guy and i hate those socks <laughs> 
uh, like like that was pretty funny. Um, would also like to point out, and and I guess I guess the others didn't either. But this is yet another year has gone by where Harry has not thought about or gotten presents for his friends. Hell no. <laughs> we, um, he, I, he got quicken. We talked about that. He has, yeah, has to make that gold that. last an entire seven years. That's right. Although I remember last time this came up, we were wondering whether their characters' birthdays came up because you know, like like maybe maybe from in Harry Potter, it's like well, Christmas is like a family thing, and like 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 that's that's the more important part but like we totally did see hermione's birthday that's why she got crookshanks oh yeah because she says she says i have some leftover money for my birthday yeah so her birthday was in like october though hmm i'm gonna look it up hmm because i thought it was i thought she had a fall birthday Excuse my very loud typing. Oh, it's September. It's it's September 19th, which I also don't understand because if she had birthday, I guess they probably gave her her birthday money early, but they would be at Hogwarts if Hogwarts term starts on the first September, which I think it does. Maybe they just get they were like, well, you're going to be going to Diagon Alley. We'll give you some wizard money. We'll we'll go to the bank and convert convert into. Oh, no, this is all falling down. This doesn't make any sense. Hermione is voiced by Harper Marshall in video games one through four. I assume that's the PlayStation games. Hell yes. Hell yes, it is. Thank you, Harper. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So so Harry continues to 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 not to not give give gifts to his friends, but I did not realize that the Trelawney scene was in this book. The the, the Trelawney table scene. I the Trelawney table scene has me so confused about that whole theory now. Because it's wrong. Because the theory is wrong now, right? Yeah, I actually, I was going to look it up because I wanted to read the exact words of the theory again because I got to the scene and I, okay, so so let's talk about it. Trelawney says that when 13 people dine together, the first one to get up will die. Um, she's saying that she is the 13th person but I thought that the theory says is that there were already 13 people at the table because Scabbers was there. And that means that whoever stood up first would die. But I don't quite understand that because Trelawney does end up sitting with them. Yeah. And also, it's very confusing because the... Also, I thought the theory said that, like, actually, it's Dumbledore, and that is true because he does die or whatever. But that that this whole thing has been very confusing. Like, this is a great scene on its own, and I love the sniping back and forth between her and McGonagall. It's just weird that this has like this this thing hanging over it because this is like number one Harry Potter content farm apocrypha. Uh, uh, this is like the number one. Like, like, share, and subscribe theory that always gets passed around. And I okay. don't think... It... I will read it to you now. Yeah, let's, let's, so let's, we can, let's, let's we, Let's this. really... It's time to put this to bed. Mm-hmm. This is from Pottermore. Pottermore.com. This feature is called Seven Times the Professor Trelawney Actually Got It Right, uh, which is every time. 
<laughs> 13 at the dinner table. This was more of a superstition than a prediction, but once again, Sybil stumbled upon something. In Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Professor Trelawney was more than reluctant to join them for Christmas dinner because 12 people were already seated. According to Trelawney, when 13 people are at the table, the first to rise will be the first to die. What a way to get out of a social gathering. If you only give this section of the book a quick read without much thought, you'd be forgiven for thinking she got this one a spurt spectacularly wrong however look a little bit closer and you'll see that ron constantly carried scabbers in his pocket due to the looming threat of crookshanks and seeing that the rat was actually peter pettigrew that made 13 already at the table trelawney sat down albus dumbledore was the first to rise when he greeted her and he was indeed the first of that group to die this Uh, seems like a very generous interpretation yeah, I look. I love Professor Trelawney. I don't. I don't know if this. I don't know if that that counts. I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Because because Peter Pettigrew and Ron are the f- and, and Peter Pettigrew, Ron, and Harry are the first to stand up like all at once, right? Right. Like, and, Tro- and Trelawney's like, which of you stood up first? And they don't. Yeah. They don't know. I don't know if it counts die first right before before Dumbledore no I think Pettigrew is in is in book seven okay Uh, oh yeah he might be yeah I like like this this is one of those things that like it just works so much better if you read it like just as a scene in a vacuum like it's it's a very very good scene uh like Trelawney and McGonagall together is a really fun fun pairing uh the like of course i knew but i don't you know don't want to make a habit of reminding people i have the 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 all-seeing eye or whatever and them 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 being prissy at each other i i I really like that scene yeah it was it was really great and i also read this much more as a again i mean like even this pottermore article points it out that it's a superstition i mean she's just she's being ridiculous yeah and I love it because I, <laughs> yeah. I like I like Trelawney a lot. I like um, I like it when she's extra. Um, the the part that I think is the biggest like like bummer to read. Um, not not in like a ooh this is bad, but just like like oh my heart like when Hermione says she's got to talk to Professor McGonagall and you know what that's about. It's like like ugh, ugh like it's Hermione is right yeah like like this is a running theme in this book is like hermione is not incorrect but the way the way she goes about stuff can be so she just manages to make everything worse for like the relationships around her i think that this one though is a shift because in every other case i think that she has been quote-unquote technically right um but has lacked you know, emotional intelligence or, or understanding how to, uh, like pick her battles, I guess. Mm -hmm. I think this, this case is a shift where she is right. I think it's bad for her quote unquote, bad for her relationships, but I do think it was the right thing. Like, I don't think that she was wrong in this case. Yeah. Well, it's tough, right? Cause I, I, I agree that I, I, I think it was the right thing to do. It's, it's specifically, the part where she like goes over 
and and and, and it, this isn't really her fault because Harry and Ron have all, like they've all been fighting, and she probably doesn't want to deal with Ron and 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 the scabbers stuff at the same time. But like the 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 fact that she's like going around them to talk to McGonagall about it is like like I, I don't know like 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 i almost feel like she should have talked to harry about it first to see if she could do this like if they could do this willingly before yeah, going to mcgonagall I guess that's I the would part say that I'm, she did try because i mean obviously she didn't things say went... she didn't say the serious black she didn't she didn't like she just kind of like i i think that's the part where where like that's what what could have maybe gotten harry to take it seriously yeah, I guess my, I guess my, where I run into trouble with that, and maybe she should have talked to her, or Harry, just one-on-one, but yeah. when she did try to talk to them, Ron immediately interjected and said, you know, I mean, something, like, pretty mean, they, I mean, they, they were not taking her seriously or listening, Yeah. Um, and yeah. in her mind, I mean, this is a kind of a life and death sort of situation, so... Totally. Um, yeah like like she's not wrong to be worried and she's not wrong to be suspicious it's it's the it's the part where yeah like and and again this isn't like this isn't the criticism of the writing either it's it's just like like this is such a difficult uh situation for all these characters to be in um and and it's it's kind of gut-wrenching to see them like I think that's the part that that that, that 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 hits me hard. Is it's not so much that I like think that Hermione should have behaved otherwise. It it's more that it it is it is saddening that she didn't feel like she could. I think that's the part because like like I think that she realizes or or thinks that like because of the the way that the conversation between them in the in the dorms went that like she has no other option. Like she can't she can't bring her concerns to her friends anymore yeah yeah she um i mean like I, f- I feel like that's a big thing for all of all of them in this book is that they are all alone with their problems for the first time mm-hmm. um we get a lot and especially going into the next chapter we get a lot about about harry feeling alone like he can't there's no person that he can take all of his issues to right. um hermione is alone doing all of her all of her classes and and that's a secret and she's she's worn down and and ron's mad at her for you know the cat thing and and they don't take her her concerns concerns seriously um yeah so i don't know it's yeah, very it's, good it's, it's hard to read though yeah it's 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 emotional it's it's uh but yeah it's it's less that i'm like mad at hermione for what she did i am more sad for all of the characters involved that like this has blown up to a point where like hermione has to go behind their backs to to in 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 her view and like like you know maybe not literally correctly but like like certainly a a a spot-on suspicion to protect them Mm mm-hmm like yeah. like she is still doing this out of love for her friends uh but but like they they can't see that slash like in the next chapter we'll we'll get in some really good stuff with this too like like this 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 emotional thread like continues in a really interesting way yeah um i actually i think we've gone over all the events in this chapter so do you want me to just jump right into chapter 12 so we can kind of look yeah, at it more yeah let's do it 
totally. Yeah. So chapter 12 is called the Patronus. It starts off and Harry and Ron are both really mad at Hermione about the Firebolt. Um, it, obviously, it's kind of pressure time for Harry to to win. There's a Quidditch game coming up between, I think, Gryffindor and Ravenclaw. And Harry even knows and, and remarks that uh, he knows that she meant well, but he's going through some stuff. So he he is still pretty, pretty PO'd. Classes start up again after Christmas. And Harry has a ton of Quidditch practices and also has scheduled Patronus lessons with Lupin. So he's very, very busy. I think they're practicing Quidditch five, five nights a week. There is a, but and Harry and Ron are not speaking to Hermione, but there is a scene between classes where Ron and Harry are, are talking about how it's like weird that Lupin is out sick or something and wondering what that's about. And Hermione is behind them and, and like, makes a sound and then they say what what and she says isn't it obvious um and they don't know what she's talking about later we go to our first patronus lesson with lupin and lupin has found a bogart to practice on instead of a real dementor teaches harry the charm and it's it's very difficult and harry has to think of his ha- happy memory and can i think without the bogart there he can make kind of a silver wisp and he while he is in that first lesson, he realizes to himself that and feels guilty that he kind of wants to hear his parents. Like, he's like, I don't know if I like even want to drive off the Dementors because I, I never get to hear my parents. And the only time I can is when the Dementors are around. Uh, we get another later lesson. We, we kind of I think we go through three different Patronus lessons. In the next one, Harry clearly hears his dad for the first time, and he's starting to be able to to make some Patronus mist while the Dementor, or excuse me, the Bogart is out. Also during that lesson, Lupin reveals that he knew James Potter and Sirius, but he doesn't he doesn't kind of say to what extent or what that meant. I think he says that they were friends or knew each other. Later on, Ron and Harry kind of talk about how Hermione is getting to all of her classes because Hermione is just looking really run down and tired and is always behind a mountain of books and doing tons of essays. And Ron is like, I don't know how she could be going to these classes. She's, she was talking about arithmancy on a certain day, but I know that she was with us in Care of Magical Creatures. There's another, I think our final Patronus lesson, and Harry asks Lupin what is under a Dementor's hood kind of on impulse and Lupin tells Harry what the Dementor's kiss is when it sucks your soul out of your mouth. And that in the daily prophet that day, the Dementors, it was announced that the Dementors were given permission to give the Dementor's kiss to Sirius Black. If they ever found him, um, Harry was gearing up to end up ordering a broom. They've been pestering McGonagall this whole time. Oliver Wood was pestering McGonagall about when he could get his broom back. He was just looking into ordering another one when finally McGonagall tracks Harry down and says, nope, there was nothing wrong with it. You must have a pretty good friend out there. Um, on the way back to Gryffindor Tower, they run in, Harry and Ron run into Neville, who can't get into the common room. He says that he wrote all of the passwords down because Sir Cadogan is still the, the, the portrait in front of the, the door to Gryffindor Tower, and he makes a ton of really complicated passwords. So he wrote them down, but then he lost it. They go in to the tower harry and ron say we should make up with hermione ron says sounds good i'm gonna go give scabbers his rat tonic ron goes upstairs harry sits down with hermione and kind of asks her uh about her classes says that he got the firebolt back hermione is like starting to warm up to it be like oh are we friends again 
But then Ron comes running down the stairs, holding a bloody sheet and some orange cat hairs and says, your cat has killed Scabbers. And that is the end of the chapter. Oh, the drama. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I, this chapter, the, I mean, I shouldn't talk about the end of the chapter right away, but the end of this chapter reminded me of watching a TV show. It it's, was just like, it was the, the cliffhanger at the end of mm-hmm. the, uh, end of the episode. This is how every episode of our CW Harry Potter show ends. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I want to start at the beginning. Okay. Uh, at, at the top, specifically because you mentioned the, the second appearance of wood but the first appearance of wood is such a great scene too oh Um, yes yeah and and kind of does some some great like one i i I love wood's character in this book he he, he's never had this much to do or like this much depth to him there there's a great sense of like how important quidditch is to all the characters in this book that hasn't really existed before that makes me much more invested in quidditch as a concept in general Mm-hmm. And I love that we sort of get like the the like the good and bad aspects of like the sports fandom here because Wood is being such a fucking asshole in these scenes. Oh yeah, he's the worst. Uh, he he is he is absolutely manic about winning the world. The I've just called it the World Cup, the, the Quidditch <laughs> Cup. Um, and, and he doesn't he doesn't give a shit about anything else. He's crazed. I think he's described as seem, seeming crazed about it. Well, the first thing he's done is he's he sits down to start firing Harry. Like yeah, like that's that's what the conversation starts as. Like like first time seeing each other after the Christmas break, and he's just sitting down like gearing up to give him the the like you know like the it's not us it's you talk you know like like it's it's a lot and then and then he's relieved that that harry is like learning how to do a patronus uh and like you know backs off of that conversation but that's absolutely why he was there uh and so like that is just like a great introduction to this and like just all through this chapter there's like this great push and pull between like like this this sort of bullish like like pig-headed anger that they don't get to fly on their new expensive toy but mm-hmm. also the very real um emotional aspects of 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 how much quidditch means to harry I, like it's tough like like this like the the like hermione was was definitely in the right but this has this has stepped on some stuff that like like no matter what would have hurt harry i think like the um the fact that just like the first happy memory he can think of is like the first time he flew you mm-hmm. know and, like 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 that there's stuff like that that just makes me understand why he's truly angry at her more so than Wood, who's just like, oh, I need you to get your fast broom as as quickly as possible, and I'll go talk <laughs> to McGonagall. And th- that 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 whole arc is is very interesting. It's 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 just great how nothing. There's no pure like who is right and who is wrong here. It's like I completely understand why Harry would be so upset, and also why Hermione would be so upset. More to the point, you know. But th- there's also just that like 
totally like sports bro culture veneer of like oh i just want to fly on the expensive broom like why is she doing this <laughs> i guess like in the first part in this book he he literally makes harry late to his classes because he's bugging him so much about about quidditch mm-hmm. um and in in this he so he says to harry like too, like too bad about you falling off your broom when the Dementors come, but we can't have you doing that again. So you better figure out how to do that. And and Harry says, you know, well, I've, I'm going to have lessons. And he's like, well, okay, I guess you can play. And then Harry says, like, I got a firebolt. Harry's like, Wood's like, great. He's like, it's gone. It's like, oh, I'll talk to McGonagall. And Wood later gets in trouble with McGonagall because he said he had said to McGonagall that he doesn't care if Harry falls off of his broom. Right. <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 uh this is the most like sports culture has mattered in this in this story and i'm surprised at how much it i love it here because i like i i'd forgotten how heavily quidditch factored into this book and i think Mm -hmm. all of us know how how i feel about quidditch i think how both of us feel about quidditch generally but here (laughs) it's just so much more compelling because i believe I believe that these characters care about it and therefore it's something I can care about too. Um, As opposed to like having the rules read to me and like getting a play by play of fake sport. I, I still, you know, I know that kids have kind of bad, uh, a sense of consequences, I guess, or like Mm -hmm. their, their mortal soul. Um, (laughs) I, and I I recognize that Quidditch means a lot to Harry. I recognize that it sucks to have your Xbox taken away. Uh-huh. I still think he's a little bit stupid about it. Oh, he absolutely he absolutely I mean, like like that's the thing is like like at the end of the day, as much as like Quidditch means to him, like we we do get you know a very earnest uh, uh, example of how much it means to him. You know, flying is his first truly happy memory, or or that's what he thinks his first truly happy memory is. But at the end of the day, you're not wrong. It is it is the shiny toy that he wants and is mad that he can't have yet. Yeah. Uh, I was, I'm pretty eye rolly at Harry throughout this entire chapter, which is okay. I mean, he's a kid and it makes sense to me. Um, I would want to play my Xbox, uh, uh-huh. you know, when I was 13. It's the and... fact that Ron is mad for him too. that makes it extra funny. Like, yeah, I want also want to go on the Xbox. Like, <laughs> You know, like, like they're just, yeah, this is like, I guess this is a weird thing, maybe a weird thing to point out, but this is like one of the first times I think the like, hmm, I I, like maybe I'm off base here, but like, this is the first time that the like, the fact that that Ron and Harry are like, boyish boys, and Hermione is a girl has like, mattered to the plot and their relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. like, this is the first time that they've just kind of been shitty sports boys i guess is the best way to put it yeah they're they're very they're very sports boys in this and the the whole like framing of how this all happened too is hermione like walking in on christmas morning and then seeing it and being like um like uh mom showed up and is ruining our fun totally and and the fact that mcgonagall is the one in charge of making sure it's all right too like this this like like this is this very much feels like like 
like teenage boy frustration like ugh like all these 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 girls in my life are making me not able to play halo or you know whatever (laughs) you know like it's not letting me play with my cursed broom yeah yeah it's not like i just might fucking die (laughs) i mean that's the implication right it's like yeah you you might die (laughs) yeah who cares yeah shut up mom yeah that there's there's definitely an undercurrent of that i noticed which is a first for this book i think and yeah like like i i I feel for him but you're not wrong he's being very his priorities are in a weird place especially because before he got the firebolt um all he could think about was like me a 13 year old getting revenge on a mass murderer yeah uh well maybe he should look into a career as a hit wizard Hmm, he might be onto something there um so i guess that is so (laughs) it's kind of funny because in this chapter we get some some sports sports bro culture um and it is contrasted with these patronus lessons which were just about the sweetest thing i've ever read oh they're Um, so good i i say i say this every week but i love lupin he's so sweet and good and is just i i i like him a lot um his genuine concern like there was a part of me the like just because i i haven't read this book in so long i had forgotten that there and it's just such a small thing but like when harry reminded him that that you know he said he would do this and his immediate response was like oh yeah like let's do it thursday or whatever like was so because harry has been let down by adults so often and the fact that like this was real and like lupin's first response to being reminded is like oh right yes i did say i would do that and like like making the time for harry is just really it's sweet like you say it's it's he he's just so genuine yeah i i think that there i mean i feel like this is a a mainstay of fantasy literature for children in that all adults are larger than life kind of characters for the Mm -hmm. most part and we see a lot of that. I mean, I, I mean, we look at Hagrid, we look at Dumbledore, we look at Snape. I mean, they're all just like they're absurd, right? Like they are absurd mm-hmm. people. Um, and I feel like I mean, I, I mean, even McGonagall than, to a degree, right? Yeah, like, I, I was gonna say like McGonagall is like close, but like she is like a, a caricature so far of it of a very austere like uh she she's teacher lady right i mean yeah, yeah. she is that character um and, and don't hear me wrong i love all of those characters and i but that it situates the adults as like separate larger than life kind of cartoons a little bit mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um lupin is like our first normal human person like uh-huh. he he is just he he is not you know when he has a conversation with harry he is an adult acting appropriately and also just like being normal um (laughs) and it in it in a world that feels so absurd and fantastical it it's like so fun to read that it's so like refreshing um and it's something that i probably wouldn't notice if all the adults were like normal people Uh um but it works it works really well and it situates him in this position of being um i mean we don't know yet but being an old friend of of harry's dad um and and it's just like 
I just love everything with Lupin. Uh, the the part where his the part where Harry says, "I heard my dad," and and Lupin immediately responds with, "You heard James," is a real gut punch. I think. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a, a, it's a yeah. lot. Yeah. Uh, it's, oh, and the it's other so line because because Harry says, "Like, did you know Sirius Black?" And Lupin says, "Like, I thought I did." Damn. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's very good. Yeah, I, I guess I I don't have much specific to say about it other than just like it was very emotional and I just I love how much Lupin cares and just the fact that like he has you know he has chocolate ready to go and like like is willing to sit through. There's 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 also that great line like in the final lesson or whatever it is where he you know he sounds like he is going along with this against his better judgment but like opens the case one more time for harry like like Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's just like such a sweet sense of like especially with with the you know the clue that like you know lupin knew knew his dad there's there's just like some very because like lupin's getting a lot out of this too right like he's seeing a little bit of of you know his his school years in harry Mm -hmm. um and so like it's 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 really cute seeing them play off each other yeah um i also appreciate harry finally i i don't i can't say necessarily that this is the first time but finally he exercises some intellectual curiosity in this scene about magic when he asks what's under a dementor's hood Mm -hmm. Um, i don't know why harry is never asking questions about magic or the things going on but i when when he asked that question like thought of a question and asked it i was like fucking finally thank you um, <laughs> and it's a little morbid so but... jaded. like <laughs> like like year two he was already like bored enough of magic that he didn't want to take any electives like <laughs> i hate all these electives all stop. i want to do is play sports i just want to play sports um speaking of lupin I had completely missed this or, or, you know, forgotten about this. Her, so Hermione has figured out that he's a werewolf. Is that what the implication is there? Yeah. I think she ends up telling them. I think yeah, I just have completely, this is completely gone from my memory. Like I, yeah. I, I read, I read that a few times. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Honestly, it is. It is. I like that. She says this line because it is so obvious and it, that uh-huh. it's funny that they don't know. <laughs> It, it it is it is funny that they haven't figured it out. Um, uh, I I think the I still think that H- Harry not figuring it anything out because of the potion is maybe the funniest part. Uh, <laughs> the Snape scene like that still sticks out as just like the most like you are one dumb idiot kid. Um, but I, uh, oh, what gets me about that is how Lupin's. Um, uh, Boggart form is always the moon but no yes. one recognizes it as the moon I guess yeah, I could it, be wrong about this I think that I would recognize the moon I, I feel like the moon is pretty recognizable um, yeah isn't it Lavender Brown says like oh I wonder why he's scared of crystal balls or whatever <laughs> yes they, I, it's very funny because I, I think there was another lot like in this one Harry's like Harry sees his the form and is like what's that glowy silvery disc <laughs> have they never seen the moon do these yeah, kids guess... not see the moon is there a lot of light pollution can't see the damn moon <laughs> <at> Hogwarts <laughs> yeah Hogwarts is like right next to a major metropolitan area and they just they do not get to see a night sky 
it's a wow. real bummer. That's they can so only sad. See, only the centaurs can see it. They, they you know, centaur. If you want to, do, if you want to do any stargazing, you have to go to the centaurs and kind of take their word for it because they'll just be like, "Oh, Mars is bright tonight." And you're like, "Well, fuck, it sure is. I guess I can't see it." They only use candles at Hogwarts. Wait, they have a fucking astronomy class. <laughs> they, yeah, they went to the astronomy tower in the first book to. Why can't to... these? Why can't these kids recognize the goddamn moon? <laughs> uh maybe the bog art maybe it's the bog art that hasn't seen the moon before like you just like, heard about it you're just like, like well fuck I know, a it's moon. A, I know it's a circle he just takes the form of that fucking like mcdonald's mascot with the sunglasses the moon man's like hey after mcdonald's after dark this is the this is the moon this is what the moon looks like yeah i that's gotta I be what know. it is yeah yeah, he's Mac tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a great line in here. I'm just like jumping because because like you know crystal balls, oh, yeah. and then we have we have some some line about uh, uh, Trelawney's class. The throwaway gag about Trelawney saying Harry has the shortest lifeline she's ever seen is <laughs> fucking incredible too. Yeah, I don't know if we ever see the Grim again. He uh, he sure is. He's he's accepted. He's gone through the five stages of grief for his own death and is now you know it's whatever <laughs> harry has like a very mature uh uh outlook on mortality now um which is very yeah. refreshing yeah you know that's the first um that's the first thing you learn at hit wizard training hell yes uh and i guess i guess this is i guess i don't have much to say until we get into our last dr- uh dramatic scene here i do have one aside um uh so Cadogan won't let them in until they they, <laughs> they they say the password. The password is Odds Bodkins. This was a great moment for me because this is this is some dumb bullshit I know. Oh good. Uh, uh, uh stuff. Do you know what Odds Bodkins means? I have no clue. Please tell okay. me. I'm so glad. Okay. So uh Odds Bodkins is an old timey uh old timey square. Um and it means basically god's body uh Ooh. it is a it is a and i believe this is correct odds bodkins is like the equivalent of like saying gosh darn it because the uh <laughs> the original phrase would be gads bodkins but you're not but if you say odds bodkins you're not saying god's name in vain um uh much the same way that like they're like a lot a lot of old-timey swears are like you know god's blood god's body and then like ways to t- get around saying that so there's like splud is one of my favorite old <laughs> old swears uh that's great yeah yeah this is this is like i i, I want to say 1500s 1600s but yes this is this is old-timey english god's english body swearing. huh yeah but gosh's body gosh gosh's body is is the password huh yeah i like that a lot thank you sir cadogan thank you sir cadogan i love i love sir cadogan i also love that that he gets disappointed when people uh can can remember the password (laughs) yeah it's very good um i don't think that i have anything else until we get to our final our our episode conclusion not the episode of the podcast but our the episode of our cw show um mm-hmm. i think i think i'm ready i think i don't think i have much else to say about this chapter and but there's just like this is a big bang at the end 
Yeah. The dramatic run down the stairs. It's it's such it is that TV drama thing where it's like, oh, the character's gonna make up and they like dangle it in front of you and then somebody, you know, knocks down the door and is like, You slept with my sister or whatever. <laughs> um, that's this moment. Um because he he brings down a sheet and it has blood on it, and Hermione's confused and is like, What are you showing me? Um, but it's it's a it's a scabbers murder scene. It's 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 so much, and it's such a, a a heartbreaker too because they're just starting to all all uh, all make up again. I, and I love like speaking of like Harry and Ron being really stupid. I love that like as soon as they get the firebolt back, they're just like, oh, we should. She was she wasn't you know she was just just trying to look out for us. Like like let's go make up with her. Like it's just it's just so like. And this is how my relationships work. Like, as soon as I'm satisfied, I can go and and let the other person know it's all good. Like, as long as I get what I want, yeah, I cannot be mad anymore. Yeah, it's uh, it's that like that part. Yeah, because funny. Harry, because Harry always knew that she did the right thing. He even thinks it to himself. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, yeah, just like. like mcgonagall's line like guess someone really likes you out there that's crazy if i get a if i get an xbox at my house with no note on it on christmas and there's just no there's nothing that's gonna kill me like who Uh who the hell sent me an xbox Uh uh-huh yeah i like like the fact that that they don't even really investigate it really like there's like well i got the i got the firebolt like cool um i do like that mcgonagall was you know kind of happy about it too oh like, yeah that's, sports that's fan a, mcgonagall i love it like like she she is the she is the platonic ideal of the sports fan here where she you know she she cares about safety but she also really wants harry to get the firebolt so like that too is 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 a is an interesting part of it because like they're not even like withholding it from him to be mean and they're also not being mean about it like she literally wants to make sure that the very good broom he got works you know yes yeah so so i i like i like this scene of them getting back together even if even if harry is being uh, it's funny the way that he just sort of like reapproaches like and everything's cool again but they but they do have like kind of like a sweet rejoinder here um yeah and he expresses uh, some worry about her because she's looking like just terrible because she's mm -hmm. taking so many electives and so many classes and and it is harry that's like well arithmancy looks terrible right and she kind of says like oh that's my favorite class it's Mm -hmm. just it's cute Um, yeah and so it is a heartbreaker when when ron you know you murdered my rat it is a bummer it is it is a bummer um I didn't I didn't start reading the next chapter yet, but I did turn because it ends. I don't know if your print copy is like this, but this is the first chapter I've ever seen that ends. uh, And then like the back page is the is the is is the I flipped the page and saw the best illustration of a cat I've seen in my goddamn life. It's so good. It's so fucking good. I will post it on Twitter. Yeah, we don't talk about the illustrations like enough, probably. Um, Some of them, like the Firebolt chapter one, is just like, yep, that's a broom. But I definitely did flip and see that cat and it is so good and so mischievous looking. (laughs) I I love it. What's Crookshank's up to? It's very good. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I think that about wraps it up. This these were this was some heavy stuff this week. 
uh, um, very emotional chapters. Yeah, I feel like we are we are very much moving into um, w- these books are becoming more and more dialogue heavy. Um, mm-hmm. I'm having a lot more trouble breaking them down into just kind of things that happened. Um, when I first started doing this in like Chamber of Secrets, I would have maybe a list of four things that happened, and that was just how the chapters were structured. There's a lot more back and forth. There's a lot more just like dialogue heavy character drama type moments um, going on. Um, and I think it, I, I like it. Um, I hope it keeps up like this. It's very, very good. All right. Um, I think if we are out of this, I think it's time for us to take a well-deserved break. Sounds good. See you after the break. Welcome back. Um, as you know, I went away for the weekend. I think I mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. I uh, it was my birthday is a, a little bit around Harry Potter's birthday. I will not say which day, um, but I traveled, you know, to my parents' house for the weekend uh, to celebrate my birthday. And luckily, while I was there and I had a lovely time, I went to my old childhood room and found all of my old Harry Potter stuff to bring to bring back with me. This is such a good story and such a good this is like a, a, a content care package that you have gotten us. It is. And, and you know, it was a, it was a whole thing. I uh, <laughs> I got up the next day after the little like family party my family threw for me. It was very lovely. And I sat my parents down and I said, Mom, Dad, I have an announcement. I have a podcast. So <laughs> so so mom and dad, if you're listening, hello. Um and and I and then I was like, it's about Harry Potter, so I'm gonna need to I'm I need to take all this content with me. I have to go up to my room and, and get it. Um I went up and I'll give a short inventory of the things that I found. I have all of the books on tape or on CD Hell um, yes. read by the wonderful, lovely Jim Dale. Um, I have the Harry Potter trivia game, which I think covers the Sorcerer's Stone. So we'll be playing that at some point. Hell yes. Um, I have a binder full of the trading card game cards. Um, probably bought a lot of packs of that. Um, I have two, two handmade uh, Harry Potter scarves that I I have handmade. One Gryffindor, one Slytherin. I'm sure I'll make a Hurtwood House one at some point. Oh, I can't wait. Um, just some like general merch, like some notebooks. One has some some truly dark sided teen uh, teen content in there, oh, but a, but a very no. but a very cute uh, headwig on the front, um, and. Oh, a copy of The Casual Vacancy, which is not Harry Potter related, but J.K. Rowling did write it. But very um, important in, very our, in important. our quest, I would say. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll read that at some point and talk about it because I, honestly, I think it's it's worthwhile to talk about it in the context of Harry Potter because it's just a whole book about the damn Dursleys. <laughs> um, and I guess the final thing that I will list is one of those unofficial um, 
books about Harry Potter, and it's called Muggles and Magic, J.K. Rowling and the Harry Potter Phenomenon, and that's by George Beam. Um, it's an I'm unofficial so companion I'm so excited book. about this. It is. It has a lot in here. It has some beautiful full-color pictures, and I haven't had a chance um, to go through it. Like I said, I was away for the weekend, but I was I was flipping through it, and when thinking about what we were going to do uh, for this segment this week, I decided it's time that we jump into the wonderful world of Harry Potter bootleg novels. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and folks, we're not talking about the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> True. Got him. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so I, you know, haven't done a ton of research into this as a phenomena. I suppose, um... I mean, this is this is something that comes out up outside of Harry Potter, right? Like the the Chinese bootleg market for for movies and, mm-hmm. and media is huge. Um, I did a little bit of research, and um, someone, and and this was in like a New York Times article um, about how how many issues there were with Harry Potter bootleg novels uh, going around. We're saying that um, some people speculate that between 30 and 40% of books sold in China are illegal, um, are, are not, not, not official. And so, and obviously there were like huge lag times between, between books, but there was a demand for Harry Potter books. So a lot of fake Harry Potter books would, would show up on the market. Um, I guess I'll start with our first one and it's like pretty well known, only because it's like, I think it's one of the only ones where I have like a an actual translation of part of it. And this one is called Harry Potter and the Leopard Walk Up to Dragon. Already more exciting than Order of the Phoenix or Half-Blood Prince, I think. Yeah, and I think this one, this one pops up uh, quite a bit just because of the kind of the intro that has been has been translated and and the way that i i came across this is this this is in the muggles and magic book and i'll i'll read this passage and it is the um the beginning of the novel i am also going to laugh at the commentary that muggles and magic puts in because it says this is from the bogus novel here's an here's an unappetizing sample from the first chapter (laughs) the first chapter is called a sweet and sour rainfall harry did not know how long this bath would take when he would finally scrub off that oily sticky layer of cake icing for someone who had grown into a cultured polite young man a layer of sticky filth really made him feel sick he lay in the high quality (laughs) porcelain tub ceaselessly wiping his face in his thoughts there was nothing but dudley's fat face fat as his aunt petunia's fat rear end Harry was a fifth-year student at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. At that heavenly amusement park, his grades were the highest of all the students in his class. Because of this, when summer approached, he was named the head student in his class. But for some reason, Harry did not understand 
Professor Dumbledore firmly insisted that his summer practice be at his aunt's house at Four Privet Drive. His objections to this were overruled by the headmaster on the last day before leaving school. Because of this, Harry had been unhappy the whole day. Four Privet Drive to him was his childhood heaven, but also his childhood hell. His first day back, his cousin <laughs> his first day back, his cousin Dudley also returned home from school. This was his nightmare. From the depth of his depth of his, depths of his heart, he was not willing to pass summer vacation with his fat cousin, but there was absolutely no way to change the fact. At the magic school, he was a young celebrity, but at Privet Drive, he was still a protected object. And that is my ex the the one translated excerpt from Harry Potter and the Leopard Walk Up to Dragon that goes around. Um, wow, are you sure J.K. Rowling didn't write this? Because it sure reminds us that uh, that that Dudley is fat at every opportunity. Yeah, um, I don't. I I liked um, the part about Ampetunia's fat rear end, um, which <laughs> yeah, isn't there because she's like the thin one, right? Yeah, like, she is tiny and horse-like and bony. Um, <laughs> it's very. This is funny on two levels because one, like, just on its face, these these are are like absurd. Because like this isn't just this isn't just like fan fiction that's been published. This is like uh, the, I assume that like the reason this blew up and became such a big deal is because these are like attempting to pass as official novels, right? Like, yeah, this one is actually interesting, and this is the only one that does this. Um, and I kind of was hoping to like hold this in a little bit more suspense. Um. After the first chapter, um, Harry is transformed into a dwarf, <laughs> and the rest, the entire rest of the novel is a is word for word the Hobbit. Like it just turns oh, into the Hobbit. My God! <laughs> yeah. Fuck yes. Right. Because so so one that's just brilliant, absurd. I love it. But two the. Uh, the indignation of the like Western Harry Potter fan base to this is super funny to me. Like, I can't believe like, Oh, it's this bogus fake. Unappetizing. Yeah. Uh, Not, not even close to the divine, uh, divine book, Harry Potter that we all love so much. Um, I, you know, in researching this topic, this is the only, uh, like bootleg book that is featured in this book, Muggles and Magic. But in researching it, um, mostly I come up with like listicles, um, and they're obviously like like kind of clickbait, like humor sites. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bent is definitely on like it is so weird to me because it is the it is the fandom outrage, right? Mm-hmm. Like how how could anyone do this to Harry Potter? Right. Um, which is quite a quite a bent to take, I guess. Because <laughs> this stuff rules. Like... It's, it is fantastic. Um, I'll uh, go ahead and read another one. This one is called Harry Potter and the Chinese Porcelain Doll. Um, and this one, unfortunately, doesn't become The Hobbit. Um, the only summary I could find for this one is on an article that is on one of those clickbait sites called mentalfloss.com. Mm. This, this, this listicle is written with humor in mind for sure, but it's called 13 brazen Harry Potter knockoffs from around the world. Oh, um, how could can they? You, can you believe this? So this one, um, the, 
I think this one might be my favorite, Harry Potter and the Chinese Porcelain Doll. Harry heads to Asia after learning that Voldemort is attempting to persuade his Chinese archenemy slash protege Yondomort to attack the Western wizarding world. There's only one thing that can stop the dynamic duo, a porcelain doll. While en route to China, Harry runs into Long Long and Jing Jing, two Chinese circus members. As it turns out, Yondomort used to work for a circus under the name Naughty Bubble. When Voldemort murdered Naughty's mother big spinach he also took the boy under his wing and taught him black magic naughty bubble that this is metal gear solid this isn't this isn't harry potter right i'm i i understand i I assume that the motivation behind these are to trick people right that see them and they're like oh it's the new harry potter book and then they buy them and they are not real this sounds great, though. This sounds more like fan fiction that someone is just trying to sell. Like, like there, this is this is a little difficult to talk about almost because there's, 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 there's absolutely humor in just how straight up ridiculous the, these sound a lot of the time, and also there are ones that are like objectively just like bootlegs that are trying to trick tourists or or you know whatever into into buying a book they think is real this on the other hand kind of sounds like some effort went into it like there's a plot here and and like this this seems less like a bootleg and more just like the ip laws are different and you can sell fan fiction in china you know yeah um so the i guess the difference like that comes up a lot because there's um there are some that are obviously trying to trick people right because it's it just turns into the hobbit right um and there has been some speculation that the reason that these are so popular is because of the very lengthy amount of time it took to translate the longer, right. later novels oh, into God. Chinese. Oh, God, yeah, I can imagine. Um, and that they are a partic- particular challenge to translate to because it's like translating made-up words into a very different language is, mm-hmm. is hard. So it's a lot faster for... Um, I guess these brazen publishers to just put out like fake Harry Potter books. Um, Uh You mentioned fan fiction. uh, And one of these is actually called Harry Potter and the showdown. And I'm so sad that I don't have a, like a good summary of this one, but there is an incredible New York times article that is about um these these bootleg novels and this one harry potter and the showdown is a is is quite literally a harry potter length novel fan fiction that was written by a dad for his son um because his son didn't want to wait for the new book to come out um and that's dedication and and he posted it online on what sounds like a, a chinese harry potter fan site in you know he's he posted his fan fiction online mm-hmm. and it later turned up being sold on the street that's wild holy shit i want to know what harry potter and the showdown is about i know um i think that the, i i saw some stuff that I, I don't know how i think the new york times article had like a little bit that said that um there might have been a love triangle and also they had to kill Snape and maybe McGonagall was stabbed with the Gryffindor sword and died. Oh, my, oh um, no. So, I mean, it was keeping with, um, you know, Snape was bad at the end of 
end of book six. So, um, but it ended on a cliffhanger. Jeez. Harry in a in a love triangle. Um, there's also Harry Potter and the Water Repelling Pearl, um, which is another um, Lord of the Rings mashup one. Um, Harry teams up with Gandalf um, and also someone named Peter and a team of, of, quote, like translated to little warriors to find a sea city in the desert. They pass through a magical keyhole into a mysterious land where they battle monsters and come out on top. But when he returns from his victory lap, Harry learns that Hermione's been kidnapped by the Dragon King to rescue her. Oh, no. (laughs) I know. To rescue her, Harry must break into the Dragon Palace using the magical waterproof pearl. Fuck yes! This sounds awesome. Yeah, this, that's a, like every everyone's going like can't believe they would they would make bootleg Harry Potter novels and take J.K.'s money away from her. Me, I'm like I would so much rather read about Harry sneaking into the Dragon Palace with the water repellent pearl uh, with Gandalf than I would about like Hermione thinking you know that uh, being the only one that thinks slavery is bad. Harry Potter and the Ten MacGuffins. That's what the that's what the last last books are called. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I mean these these to me are very interesting. I wish that I could find, I guess more like again I I'm reading these summaries from an article that is a listicle on a clickbait site uh-huh. from from August 9th, 2012. And again, that the bent that all of these are talked about is maybe the least interesting to me, which is right. like, can it you believe like little... they would rip off Harry Potter like this? Yeah, it's a little bit of a game of telephone where they're just like trying to make it sound more ridiculous to, you know, for clicks or whatever, when really I just want to know about like, like there's something fascinating about taking a book that is like so heavily steeped in like European mythology and then like writing a Chinese fantasy novel about it. Like yeah. like that is so fucking cool. I want to I want to know more about about like the Dragon King. That's already just like fuck yeah. Yeah, the uh, like a few of the the like Cho Chang comes up in a lot of these. Um there's one I'm not sure which where um, Cho Chang introduces like a a new book of spells from China to Harry to like learn like Hell better yes. better spells and it's very cool. Um, there's one called Harry Potter and the Half Blooded Relative Prince. Um, <laughs> it is. It's one where Harry decides that Hogwarts isn't rigorous enough and transfers to the top wizarding school in Asia. Uh, While there, Harry turns to the dark side and becomes evil. In the end, his peers band together to take him down. Again, that sounds way better. (laughs) Uh, I want to know, like, like, yeah, like, I want to know more about this stuff. Like, like, there is, you know, there is the comedy of just like, it is pretty absurd on its face. And like, the translations are pretty funny. I mean, we all love the the Star Wars subtitles from that Chinese uh, bootleg uh, Revenge of the Sith Sith DVD. But like, I just want to know more about these things. Like, like, because it is, a lot of it is like real. It's like real fan fiction. I mean, the ones that are like just like you know one one page of new material and then it becomes the Hobbit. Like that is also really funny. But I I want to know more about the like 
extended universe of Harry Potter as written by Chinese fans. That sounds so much cooler. Yeah. Um, there's like, again, in, in the way that all of these things are written, I feel like a lot is lost. There's, there's another one, um, which it, it's, I guess, funny in two ways. One, it starts uh, and Dudley is dating a belly dancer, which a lot of these articles speculate is because there was some kind of translation, like in reading the Harry Potter novels, the like focus on, on Dudley being fat and his like stomach somehow like translated into like there being a stripper or a belly dancer around. Um, <laughs> and the, like the core conflict of the novel is that everyone in, in Hogwarts is being turned into wooden stools Um it that is called fucking Harry- rules. Yeah, it's called Harry Potter and the Big Funnel. Um, I have no cultural context about that. I assume that the kids being turned into wooden stools has some some cultural context that I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't. These just like seem very cool to me. And other than Harry Potter and the Showdown, which I have a backstory for, being the dad that wrote it, and then it was later published without his knowledge. I I'm just so curious about like what was the genesis of some of these just like actual like I mean technically fan fiction novels that were written like was it written to, to be published to make money or was this are more of them taken like from online to be published and sold it's just very interesting to me do you think there might be a bootleg shrieking shack out there I sure hope so I yeah I want I want I want bootleg rivals I want the <laughs> house of screaming or something uh yeah to pop up on our radar and we'll yeah collab- they have they have my full support <laughs> yeah this stuff's cool I I maybe maybe we should take some time in future and like like see if we can find one of these fully translated and and like poke at it because it just seems like there's a a whole world out there that that like we kind of don't have access to is you know neither of us are, are chinese speakers or readers um uh of like what the what the foreign fan culture is for harry potter or like you know what yeah like what's what's foreign fan fiction like because that 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 sounds like it could be really fascinating yeah absolutely um i these these lists and summaries kind of try to make them sound as absurd as as humanly possible um i am certain that i could read any number of like year eight or or alternate universe uh harry potter fan fictions from fanfiction.net and make them sound equally if not more absurd (laughs) well there's also the fact too like like you were mentioning you know cultural context like like there can you imagine not growing up with like european folklore and reading some of the shit in harry potter like (laughs) like being being just like normal chinese book reader and reading about like like uh, fucking i don't know pick some like like here's a hippogriff uh yeah. you know like like that that see, probably seems like equally as fucking bonkers to them as like turning into stools would be to us you know like i'm sure there's just like a lot of like i, I guess i'm equally interested in knowing how harry potter translates into chinese like how much gets changed because there's so much stuff that like like relies on kind of inherent understanding of like 
European fantasy and history and stuff. Yeah, I yeah, because I there was a, a short interview um, on NPR about this happening because I, I guess I guess this was a huge thing that there were just so many fake Harry Potter novels in China and um, there was a someone in this interview said that a, a huge part of it is that. Um, the the publisher that does the Harry Potter novels, the People's Literature Press, needs three months to finish a Chinese translation because it has words like quaffle in it, and that's right. Like, like you have to invent like new, new fake invent words, new words to, to convey to that meaning. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I imagine, I imagine like that on its own would be a really fascinating thing to to read about. I mean, I mean, not China, but also uh, uh, I'm a big fan of of we we have we have uh listeners who occasionally send us what the uh like foreign translations for uh for some of the words in Harry Potter yes. are. And we got Haunting Slurp recently, which I believe was the Dutch uh for for um Norwegian Ogsme- for it's honey. The, it's honey the deeps. best. It's the Haunting best. Slurp. I love that. That's uh, uh that's the uh headquarters of, of uh Hurtwood House for sure. <laughs> Hurtwood House, yeah, that's, that's the name of the boat that's on the lake, is, <laughs> is the Haunting Slurp. Great. Um, um, but yeah, like, shit like that is just super fascinating. Yeah. Like, A, like, on its face, funny, but B, like, super fascinating if you, like, take the time to kind of pick apart, like, what the cultural reasoning behind stuff is. Yeah, I, you know, I would love to, at some point, do a deeper dive into this stuff, because I think I think it's really interesting. Um, in doing my research for this, like, it, it does feel like a bummer the way that talking about this stuff is approached obviously i i don't i obviously there's comedy in it it's it's very yeah. funny um but like this was probably the best article that i could find so thank you julia davis who who wrote this 13 brazen harry potter knockoffs from around the world um <laughs> because like some of them even the more in-depth like harry potter fan like collections were just like outright just like kind of racist about it right why definitely (laughs) there's like there's like a oh you you get a sense especially because i mean like a lot of these things are that but bootleg is a loaded word right like yes like 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 you know i i would say that first example where there's like a chapter of new material and then they just put the hobbit in there like that's Mm -hmm. a bootleg right the rest of these are or not the rest of these, but it sounds like a good chunk of these are just, you know, quote unquote fake in the same way that like any fanfic on AO3 is right. Like, yeah, I mean, they definitely don't have the, the wonderful disclaimer that all fanfiction authors put on every single fanfiction they ever write, which is I'm not JK Rowling. I don't own these characters. (laughs) I just play around with them XD. Um, But and in many cases have jk rowling's name on the cover <laughs> oh but, well and there's i mean there's the part you you mentioned too about like that one fiction or the one fanfic that was like published without the author's knowledge like i just wonder how much mm-hmm. this stuff is like out of the author's hands you know like, yeah like like maybe they did just post these on the chinese equivalent of of fanfic.net and got had it stolen you know oh i'm wrong there is a summary on this this mental floss uh page for harry potter in the showdown and i am oh, gonna read it yes. because it sounds fucking awesome okay and this is supposed to be this was he wrote it for his son between half-blood prince and deathly hallows because his son didn't want to wait and this is like a a i think i read that it's like a two hundred thirty thousand words so like 
as long as a Harry Potter novel. Hell yes. Following Dumbledore's death, McGonagall and Slughorn reopen Hogwarts. Cho Chang introduces the school to a book of Asian spells called 36 Strategies to help them defeat Snape, who remains evil in this alternate ending. In a wild turn of events, McGonagall is assassinated by the sword of Gryffindor. Harry confronts Voldemort at Azkaban and kills him. The conclusion's a cliffhanger. Harry is stuck in an unresolved love triangle. Oh, that sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. 36 like you're just you're telling me that i mean like there there's your there's your like like i mean like 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 a little bit you know absurd sounding like like cho chang brings the brings the book of 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 you know chinese strategies or whatever but that sounds fucking awesome because that sounds like in the text there is some comparison between like like chinese cultural fantasy and european right like that yeah that, i want that's to know. incredible that's so that cool. sounds fucking cool yeah um and i mean that just makes me think uh, of how disappointing all of the international schools that are officially in harry potter are <sighs> yeah like like <laughs> just thinking about the japanese school no. that has the shame robes that turn red when you're shamed and also the name of it translates to magic place or whatever it's the magic okay. place school of magic that's a bummer so we're forming the new street cast canon obviously slytherin's not in the school anymore um we have hurtwood house um all of jk rowling's international schools are gone we don't care about that um the 36 strategies are certainly in our canon. I am yes. canonizing this right now. Um, 36 strategies are canon. Excellent. We love it. Fuck. Yes. Yeah. That just that like, like to me, that just sounds fucking rad. Like, like, oh, and there's so much like cool, like, 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 like the little, I, the little I do know about like, like cool Chinese fantasy stuff is like a lot of, a lot of Chinese fantasy is like, wrapped up in history too like you have romance of the three <laughs> kingdoms which like has real names of people and historical figures in it but like mythologizes them into a world where like also there's magic and dragons and like guys who can get their eye you know th there's like a fucking story about like, like a general who like gets his eye shot out with an arrow and then just like pulls it out and eats it and is like fuck Hell you guys yeah. i'm still fighting and like like that's so cool um so so yeah if, if 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 we can get a version of harry potter where not only are european fantasy creatures real but romance of the three kingdoms fucking happened that sounds good to me yeah i'm into it um this stuff goes around a lot because the covers are very funny um one of the big ones that i guess goes around on the reddit a lot that i have found no uh, explanation for or like what the book could be about is a is a cover with harry riding like a dinosaur um <laughs> that that is it's around as like a funny i think it pops up on reddit as a like today i learned post mm. a lot but i i can't find anything about it in particular um there's a lot of good like even the official international covers for harry potter novels can be pretty great there's one true. i found recently that just looks like a like, i don't know if it was like the italian version of one of the books or like one of the early books before it really got huge um there's like a cover for one of them that just looks like a crayon drawing and it's like like how that's great 
Yeah, it, it rules because it's just like this was clearly before you know it became a phenomenon. It's being translated into like I, I, I say, I want to say this was an Italian one, but like yeah, just here's here's like okay, we're a very small publisher. We got the Harry Potter rights. Uh, we need like a, I guess, but presumably like a, a local artist who will do this for cheap. Like I love shit like that. Uh, I'm I'm just reminded of that documentary we watched where J.K. Rowling is looking at all the different language covers, and she <laughs> sees the one where Harry's not wearing glasses and gets really mad. She gets so pissed. <laughs> oh, can you imagine what? Like I feel like the only reason the because cause like like IP law in in China is just like completely different, right? Like mm-hmm. like harry potter is not the first and last thing that this has happened with and i right yeah i want to believe that like like most of the reason we know about this is because you know jk rowling got fucking pissed when she saw this right like yeah so like i i did read a little bit about that because i I mean i think that i mean ip laws is a lot different in china but my understanding is these things still are illegal it's just not they don't enforced really right, or, and i read like yeah. so i read some someone was saying i think in the npr interview that the government doesn't care about harry potter because they spend their time and again this is just like somebody saying this in an interview so i can't really say whether it's true or not um but they spend more time going after like uh, pornography and like political speech in mm. you know in illegal publishers than they do uh, a a pirated franchise um right i mean right. like i mean that that makes sense to me um however jk rowling has gotten very litigious with other countries um there is a novel a series of novels um tanya grotter um and and that this, is a I, oh this God. is nuts um this is a russian series um the first one is called tanya grotter and the magical double base um and let me open so this actually went to court because it is it is published in russia but um it was being um translated into dutch and so it went to Dutch court and was found to be too similar to Harry Potter and now can no longer be translated. Um, Tanya Grotter is the female protagonist um, of this fantasy series. Um, I think that the author has tried to defend it by saying that it is, quote, a cultural reply to the Potter books. Hmm. Um, she flies around on a double base. Um, Hell if you're yeah. Wonder- if you're wondering what that um, title means. Um, all of the names sound very similar. Her, She lives with her mean relatives, the Durnivs, um, <laughs> and her parents were killed by an evil sorceress, um, which translates very similar to to Voldemort. Um and she has a I guess a birthmark on her nose, not not a scar on her forehead or something like that. So it's I mean it's it's the same. <laughs> it's very funny. A cultural it's, reply, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, anyone should look up the, the cover because it's absolutely hilarious. Um because she's <laughs> she's flying on her double base. Um and I think she her the bow of the base might be might be a wand um i just uh, you're saying that okay they have like if they have what like a female voldemort is the thing here mm-hmm. well and harry is harry is a is Wait, a girl too i i'm gonna say 
I'm gonna say that I have a great name for 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 a a evil lady Voldemort, but oh yeah, but it's real bad. But oh, you yeah? probably have already figured it out. I I would never. How about, how about Harry Potter versus Voldemort? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know how well that translates into Russian. Um, but I'm sure you could send an email and find out. Um, That's. <laughs> That sucks. I'm so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Oh, what's wrong with me? Okay, yeah. Well, there are 14 Tanya Grotter novels. Um, Holy shit. It is is a... It is a well, JK just can't compete. No, absolutely not. She only wrote seven books. Um, there was also a um, a book that was litigated against by JK Rowling called Harry Potter in Calcutta. Um, this was an Indian novel. And uh, I'm going back to the summaries from... So many of these just sound like excited fans like... Like Harry Potter comes to where I live. I I love that. I know like, it's so it's so I um I'm reading again this summary uh, from the Mental Floss article. After finishing his first year at Hogwarts, Harry hops on his Nimbus 2000 and zooms halfway across the world to Calcutta. He meets a young boy named Junto, and the two kids meet up with characters from classic Bengali literature. Legal pressure from Rowling and her publishers kept this book off the shelves. That sounds awesome. God. Yeah, I don't know, like, like, yeah, like Harry Potter, Harry Potter is, is, is much like Star Wars. It's fascinating because it is, it is like very popular internationally. And like, from our perspective, it's just like, like part, uh, like part and parcel and like, like it draws from European culture, but Mm -hmm. like elsewhere it like has that extra layer that we don't get of like, like being from somewhere else. And all these books that are just like Harry Potter plus what I'm familiar with just (laughs) sounds so fucking cool. Yeah. Well, JK Rowling will not have that. Well, I I mean, all all of this litigation definitely happened. I I mean, this was like uh, early 2000s. So that would have been uh, probably a team up between JK Rowling and WB. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, like the boot, like like the real honest to god bootlegs that are trying to trick people, those suck. But the rest of these, I think those all sound pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think there are probably some other issues that come up other than just how dare they rip off Harry Potter. Um, mm-hmm. Part of the issue being like, I guess these illegal books are a lot cheaper. They're like a dollar fifty or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. which like brings up issues of like accessibility to to books people want to read or yeah or what like like all sorts of things i would say last on my list is like py- like worried about the, totally the, the the brand i'm not sure yeah um but that seems to be be where a lot of the kind of harry potter commentary comes from noticed, the harry potter brand seems pretty strong yeah like, i think they're gonna be okay <laughs> Yeah, they'll they will JK and and the Wizarding World Wizard World XD will probably be just fine. <laughs> well, we we hope so here at the at the Shrieking Shack. Oh my God, you got any others for us, or does that do us? I think that does us for now. There are a lot, but I picked out some of my favorites, and I'm sure this is something we can come back to and talk yeah, about. Yeah, I'm so excited to go through a to go through 
this muggles and magic book which just seems like it's a treasure trove of this kind of thing yeah uh but also to dig into that pile of of wonderful stuff uh so so thank you for doing that absolutely yeah and and a happy a happy belated on air not specifically saying which day birthday well thank you i appreciate that <laughs> oh, our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. You can check them out on Bandcamp. A huge thanks to them for letting us use that. Uh, if you like the show, you can subscribe to us on Patreon and you can get bonus episodes and let's plays of the Harry Potter video games. I've just been uploading some new episodes of those. Um, and we will obviously have more bonus podcasts coming soon. Um, as always, if you leave us a review on iTunes, that is always a huge help. And thank you to everyone who has been spreading the show around uh, on Twitter and, you know, word of mouth. We, we're, we've been getting a lot of really kind feedback lately, and it's it's been great. So thank you, everyone, for that. Liz, what are we reading next week? Yeah, so next week we're reading chapter 13, which is called Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. I'm sensing a Quidditch chapter. Uh, and chapter 14 called Snape's Grudge, which I'm looking forward to. Hell yes. I can always go for some more Snape. But as much as I love <laughs> Snape, I have to say, please read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean raw seem tame Better know what you're after If you catch a eye Cause this hot mama Is just a cat in disguise